folks. We are back. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter and Sam Cardona. How's it going, guys? Looking forward to recapping the third Giants win of the season. This is going to be a great show tonight. I just got to say, I mean, did we not all three of us say the Giants were going to win last week? We did. We did. And it happened. I'm so excited to go into today's show. It is going to be so much more fun to, to cover a win, right? It always is. It always is. And for me personally, this win felt satisfying because I was there to see it. The first time I got to see a Giant win since November 18th, 2018, they beat the Buccaneers that day. A lot of fun. Went with some good company, some Raider fans, but didn't matter. At the end of the day, I enjoyed it, and oh gosh. I mean, it wasn't a pretty win by any stretch of the imagination, because obviously there were still some flaws that we will definitely be talking about over the course of this show. But the fact of the matter is, the Giants winning puts them a little bit closer to a playoff spot, which is good in the sense that, you know, I still feel hope, but bad in the sense that, uh-oh, I got all that false hope creeping up on me again. Is that, uh, whatever. Giants won. Giants won. I saw it. I'm happy. That's all I can say. You know, I was going to ask you how your experience at the game was, but you pretty much covered all the bases on that. And I'm going to say this. The three of us got laughed at for picking the Giants last week by multiple people on YouTube, really threw some shade at us for picking the Giants. Uh, saying Raiders lead the AFC West for a reason. The three of you are brain dead. But guess who came out on top? Ha! Ha! He did. Folks, remember to follow us. Yep, we'll cheers for that. (laughs) Remember to follow us on all of our accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to our brand YouTube channel on Review and Preview Sports to catch all of our brand's content and us exclusively at Big Blue Avenue. And, of course, feel free to comment in the stream when you would like to if you have any questions for us throughout the course of the night. And we have a great guest coming on at 7.30. His name is Craig Santucci. He runs New York Giants Rush. He is our special guest. New York Giants Rush, their podcast based in New York. They've interviewed several different former Giant players in the past, Lawrence Tynes most recently. So they're an awesome group. Craig will be joining us. I'm really excited. And Noah, with the first comment of the night, did you see the Panthers sign the running back today to fill in for McCaffrey? They're on a roll today, aren't they? I did not know this. Is McCaffrey going to play Sunday? I think he's referring to Cam Newton, but – (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is a stellar joke noah that wow. is stellar you i did not see that coming <laughs> totally went over my head what a what an awful part to the show me, tom the two of us were like we signed a running back <laughs> you know, last week you guys said i was on a roll tonight man i'm on a blunder to, to oh start my this goodness yes cameron newton wow cameron. Janelle Newton, yeah. Um, And then uh, he says, as I told Hank the other day, the Raiders could start 8-0, and I'd still expect them to go 8-9 or 9-8. And And he's right. I've been saying the same thing about that team for the past few years. They People think they're not going to do anything before the season. 
they get off to like what a five and three, excuse me, six and two start. And then they start to fall off and we realize why people didn't have high hopes for them in the first place. Whereas the true NFL fans aren't really that surprised because we know those hot starts are generally smoke and mirrors because it probably has to do with the fact that you still have great guys left over from the Reggie McKenzie era. But Tom, we, we saw a, a funny NFL meme not too long ago that the whole of the 2020 draft picks, good Lord. And like, and even in 2019 and 2021 too, you can argue that Mayox had a lot of bad drafting moves. So yeah, I think Noah and I pretty much have the same mindset whenever we really look at, at the Raiders. It's just, they're not a well-managed team. And it's funny. We, we've criticized the giants for being one of those franchises that have been like, you know, stuck in the past. I would argue that's the, that's true for the Raiders too, pretty much. It's tough. It really is tough. Um, folks also happy veterans day. Happy veteran. I know a lot of former NFL players are veterans as well, including some former giants. Uh, so happy veterans day to everybody who served this country. Now I want to get into this game uh, because it was a fairly interesting game to say the least. Uh, we'll get into our, our recap now. It started off opening drive. You couldn't have, you know, set this up any better. Daniel Jones, they're feeding the rock to Devontae Booker the whole drive. 31 rushing yards on that first drive of the game. And then he heaves up a nice 30-yard touchdown pass to Evan Ingram. Hank, as you're watching that play, walk me through what's going on in MetLife Stadium. What's going through your head? as Ingram hauls in that touchdown reception. (laughs) Funny you should ask. I had a similar reaction to the one we had a couple weeks ago when we were watching the game against the Chiefs at Vinny's. I was like, oh, my gosh, did Evan Ingram score? I had to, like, check to see if I was hallucinating or not because, like, a 30-yard pass to Ingram, like, opening up the playbook and letting Daniel Jones throw the deep ball, what a concept. I was going nuts. The stadium was going great. I mean – you had like a good, you had a lot of giant fans there, but you had a little too many Raider fans for my liking. But we know that fan base is a cult. It is what it is. That's to be expected. But mm. in any event, the stadium was jumping. It was great. Jumping as always, jumping beans like Evan Ingram, who now leads the Giants with two touchdown catches on the <laughs> season. <laughs> oh, it's so funny to me. It's so funny to me. I mean, I love it. I like that we scored points, but. Not at all what I was expecting on our opening drive. Let me tell you that. No, uh, and not a first drive touchdown. We were definitely not expecting that. But Giants, again, go up 7 nothing. Raiders run it right back. Get a touchdown of their own. Hunter Renfro, two-yard strike. That first drive, Josh Jacobs is running all over the Giants. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go again. I'm like, Danny Shelton can't stuff the run at all. He, he's, he's a waste. Um, Renfro we knew was going to be WR1 in the in this game. That's the guy we needed to stop him and Darren Waller. Um, so I knew Renfro was going to cause some problems. They threw a deep pass him downfield that he caught, and he just beat Bradbury on that one touchdown who would redeem himself later on. But Hunter Renfro, he proved to be a problem for us in this game. He had seven catches, so... You know, that was definitely interesting. And then, of course, 
Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was big in this game. After the Raiders tied the game, the strip sack on on Daniel Jones and Gakwe just totally beat Matt Pert. And I'm starting to begin to get concerned about Matt Pert's longevity uh, as an NFL starter because he didn't look good at left tackle, um, looked much worse than Andrew Thomas did at his worst last year. So that's why I'm starting to think, Maybe we shouldn't have picked this guy in the in the in the third round. As much as I love the pick, maybe he should just stick to right tackle. I don't know, Sam. What, what do you think? I mean, two sacks given up to Ngakwe, and he made both of them look fairly easy. One side of me is saying, you know, this is a new kind of feel for him. Like, give him a moment to figure it out. But then the other side of me is saying, like, at this point you should be able to shift in your position and be able to make sure, you know, something like that doesn't happen. I It sucked because I do really like Matt Pert, but while I was watching this game and while I was on Twitter, like Giants Twitter was really like, why, why is Matt Pert still here? Like, what is he doing? Like what is going on? So I'm, I'm a little concerned as well. I will, I will echo your concerns, Tom, but yeah, I, I, it's not I'm, I it really is like upsetting to me <laughs> but I I know it's as a as a starter in the league I I am starting to question it. Yeah. I agree. It's- yeah, I'm I'm feeling the same way like I I don't know if it's a matter of him being out of position or not but get struggling with Yannick Ngakwe it that wasn't really a good sign and yeah. this isn't the first time he struggled this year or so. I think the more you see it, the more you're starting to see some red flags too. Again, like I was saying, like I, I feel like I want to give him the benefit of the doubt for switching up his position a little bit, but also like if you are that good at, at football in your position originally, like you should be able to shift fairly seamlessly to the other side. Yeah. It's a big problem. It, it definitely is a big problem. And then, uh, the defense, again, as Hank loves to say, bends but doesn't break. Raiders get to the Giants' six-yard line. By the way, the Raiders were one for six in the red zone in this game. That's unheard of. That is god-awful. And then Dylan Carlson hits a field goal to put Vegas up 10-7. And then first half, you know, low-scoring half, Raiders go into the locker room ahead 13-10, kind of what we were expecting Along those lines, very close game. And then the second half comes around and, you know, things start turning for the better. First drive, Raiders have the football. Third play of the drive, Xavier McKinney records a 41-yard pick six to give the Giants a 17-13 to lead. Hank, X is going to give it to you, and he gave it to us on Sunday. That's exactly what I was shouting when I saw him pick off the ball and race toward the end zone. It was awesome. And once again, the stadium was jumping. You love to see it. Great atmosphere. And I'm like, holy cow. The ju-. And the Raiders got the ball, too, at the beginning of half. Like, when Daniel Jones fumbled it, I'm like, oh, no. And, and they took the lead, and, like, that was my big turn. But then to see that, huge momentum changer. And it's for that reason why we may or may not be giving him a certain award that we'll get into later. But I digress. I digress. Amazing. Oh, uh, you ruined it, man. You ruined it. <laughs> I said may or may not. Okay. 
but we'll see. I, I don't. I don't know if we've decided yet. We might have to have uh, another quick group meeting uh, <laughs> live on the show about live. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy has four picks on the season. I honestly feel like. I, I'm just gonna like be like super transparent. I'm super happy about this pick six. Obviously, put points on the board was really great. Um, the more I watched this game, and the, after watching the highlights again, and kind of delving into this game, I'm a little concerned with the offense because it seems like the defense is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and I have a feeling that if we didn't get this pick six and again it did cause momentum and, you know it got everybody hyped up and all that kind of stuff but if we didn't get that pick six we might have ended up being tied the Raiders get down the field they don't miss that field goal and they win the game so I'm I'm getting slightly concerned with this offense just a little bit but I am very excited about this pick six yes let's take let's take the folks through it why don't we so I mean McKinney's not even on the screen to start the play. Uh, and you see the Giants are showing blitz on the left side, but then Darnay Holmes is this free man here who comes in to apply some pressure, and Tay Crowder's playing back in a little zone uh, to play the tight end in case he crosses over. And as you can see, Carr has his eyes on Renfro, which you can't see in the screen, but the Giants do a good job of applying pressure up here. Leonard Williams, Quincy Roche, among others, so that car has to throw this football off his back foot. You can mm-hmm. see his back foot elevating. And here it is in full speed. McKinney just reads it and jumps the route beautifully. And then the other Giants defenders do a really good job of just running with him. I mean, wide open field, too. You had it right there for him. Yeah. No, you read it perfectly, too. Like he was like, yep, that's mine. Thank you. <laughs> And it was, it was a great, great read for him. Where they say never throw the ball in the flat. Bad idea. Bad idea. Uh, that's, that's a big reason why right there. I mean, he's just outstanding. And then Giants are up by four, but then the next drive, the Raiders tack on a field goal on a drive that ate up eight minutes of clock. So the Giants offense at this point was not on the field for over an hour in actual time. So, Sam, you mentioned you're concerned about the offense. So was I because you couldn't score points. Yeah. Uh, the, the defense gave us the lead. And then, again, Giants, they, they, tack on a, they tack on a field goal. They go up by four. Raiders march down the field. On their next drive, Dylan Carlson shanks a field goal. I don't know how you shank a 25-yard field goal, but that is just embarrassing. If you're Dylan Carlson, I would not want to be that man. Um, I was very surprised that that happened. Hank, what what it, what was it like when he missed the field goal? I was pleasantly surprised. Like, so <laughs> let let me put it this way. So I was up there. I gave I sent you a picture of my seats. Right, I was like high up behind the end zone. I was literally facing that end zone. And as I saw the ball, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna miss it. And I'm like, he missed it. Like, that's insane. Like twenty, and it was shorter than an extra point. So like. I was excited, but pleasantly surprised. But like I was with my buddy, but his father, who the hardcore Raider fan, he kept moaning about so and well, rightfully so for his sake. They had so many missed opportunities and that one, too, because like the Raiders were like, as as I like to say, the Giants defense bent but didn't break. And 
I, I could tell by the later part of the game, they were getting tired because the Giants offense barely really got to see the field in the second half. Like, this is another classic game where Jason Garrett's play calling was a real hindrance to the Giants. But again, th- they got lucky. The, the fact the Raiders couldn't couldn't take advantage of what was really an opportunity to get closer in this game. I think they the Giants dodged a massive bullet on that drive, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. They did, and then I'm not a Cardinals, uh, not a closet Cardinals fan, just for the record. Uh, I don't really <laughs> like them at all. And Odell Rams jersey in shipping. Uh, you know, you read my mind too well, man. I, <laughs> No. It's it's in route already. He paid for like overnight shipping. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I rushed it too. Absolutely rushed it. But uh, back to this recap, uh, McKinney picked up his second interception on that next drive, and it was the last drive of the game. And then Elijah Penny is getting the football that whole drive, pretty much. This guy's a fullback. Remember. Uh, Barkley missed the game again due to the ankle injury, and Gary Brightwell did not clear the COVID protocol in time to play. So the Giants were down to three running backs, technically two, uh, Booker, Penny, and then Colin Jalaspia, who's technically slotted as the third on the depth chart. And Penny winds up pretty much – he did that nice little spin move on that one Raiders player and then apologized to his dad on, on Twitter after making that spin move. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and then Gano hits the 38-yard field goal. Giants up by seven. Last-ditch effort. I think this guy might be a diamond in the rough. Quincy Roche, a strip sack on Derek Carr, recovered by Leonard Williams to seal the deal for the Giants giving them their third win of the season, defeating the Las Vegas Raiders 23-16. to I think it was um, that last kick that Gano hit that I was like, wow, we really kicked three, what was it, like three field goals? Mm-hmm. And we scored one touchdown, and the other one was a defensive score. And at that point I was like, this is where, that's where my concern started, that I was like, we really should be scoring on these plays. We should not be kicking this many field goals. I mean, it's great for us that Gano is money most of the time that we don't have to do we don't have to worry about him missing a lot, but we should be putting six to seven points on the board when we get into the red zone. Like uh, that that's the fact that we just said Evan Ingram leads the offense with two touchdown receptions and we're going into the bye week of week ten and he leads us in two touchdowns, like Come on. That is not a stat that we should be very proud of. Yeah. No, not good at all. But let's take a look at this play. Uh, Quincy Roche seals the deal for this game. And you'll see right away, you know, shotgun set. Everyone's stacked to the left. And there's Roche, who just gets a really nice jump on Colton Miller. Does a nice little under drag. And Colton Miller's their best lineman. And he just comes in and whacks that football out. Leonard Williams cradles it giants win here it is in slow motion again shades of oc right there (laughs) ball game yeah at this point i was i was yelling (laughs) i was standing up in my in my basement and screaming at the tv going no way we just did that (laughs) Hey, I'm any a Steelers fan, I, I would be yelling because they let Roche go off of waivers after picking him in the sixth round. 
Yeah. Anytime you win a game, and actually anytime you win a game lately, because it's only their 23rd game since a certain incident that I'd rather not talk about, it's a big deal. And again, I was doing the same thing. I was literally jumping up out of my seat, and like it, it was awesome. And granted, there was a lot of traffic on the way home. I mean, that's what it is getting from like Westchester to New Jersey. But you know, when it's a win, it's well worth it. Noah has a question, and I don't, I don't really know where he's trying to get at here because um, I still think the Giants can make the playoffs even without a Dallas collapse. I think a wild card is a very real possibility. It's more of a possibility than the division, but I'm always for winning football games. I, I never want to lose. I can't believe I'm having to answer uh, this question again because, I mean, I've made it clear in, in, years, in years past you don't lose. I just don't have it in me to sit there and root for the Giants to lose, and I never will. And any fan who roots for their football team to lose is not is not a real fan, in my personal opinion. I don't care about draft picks, lose to get a high draft pick. First of all, you don't know if that draft pick is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. And what are you yeah. saying to the current team on your roster, right? Those current guys who might not be there next year that you're paying this money for. You're just basically saying, well, you know, we paid you to do a job and now you're not going to do it. We want, you know, and we saw a perfect example last year of what the Eagles did in, in week 17. And, you know, that that's the most blatant tanking that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unacceptable. And Joe judge flat out said, as long as I'm head coach of the giants, we'll never do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. These yeah. guys have a job to do. They're getting paid money. Like they, it's it's not even like about this year. If like you've got you've got a job to play for, like next season, you've got like you got like bills to pay, a family to feed. A, you, you better be playing to win. Otherwise, you're not in the league. That simple. I just want to say real quick, based off of James's comment here, um, saying that if your season is over, you might as well tank. I mean, the Jaguars tanked for Trevor, and we see where they are at right now. So I, I just I, – I honestly I, – I have the same feeling. You don't really want to see your team lose. You don't want to root for your team to lose because a lot of times, like you guys are saying, draft picks might not pan out. And honestly, we have gotten some diamonds in the rough in later rounds of the draft anyway. I mean, I hate to bring up the, the stereotype everybody brings up, but Tom Brady, I mean, come on, like – you never know what you're going to get in a draft, and I'd rather shoot for a playoff spot or a wild card spot then. You're juggling so much uncertainty with the draft. Why think about April when you're currently in the month of November? Um, I respect your guys' opinion, but I think you guys are, are wrong, and I'm referring to the commenters right now. I, I think you guys are, are wrong. I just don't see the purpose in tanking. I, I'll never do it. I'll never want a team to do it, but I do agree with Steve's comment. Put Roche in the starting lineup. I think him and Ojolari should be in there starting, and Ellerson Smith quietly made his Giants debut last week as well. Um, But let's talk about some of the good from this game. Uh, Daniel Jones, no incompletions in the first half. He was was rock solid, I thought. Um, Completed 75% of his passes. Now, he didn't throw the football much, and – People are like, well, the Giants should have throw through the football more. 
Well, the Raiders defensive line applied so much pressure. Every time Jones is dropping back, he's getting hit or he's getting hurried. What else do you want the Giants to do? They had to switch their game plan to give Devontae Booker more carries. Were there times where they should have thrown the ball downfield more? Yes. But with how good the Raiders' pass rush was at getting to Daniel Jones, they could have thrown the football more than 20 times. Plus, the Giants were ahead for a majority of the game, and the Raiders had the ball for almost the entire third quarter anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. And last week we even talked about how the Raiders' run defense was something to take advantage of because of how vulnerable it is. And that's exactly what we did. And we saw Booker and Penny take over and were able to get a lot of really great plays for us that put us in position to score, which we didn't, but then we kicked a field goal. But nonetheless, um, and I remember tweeting out, like, why, are, why is everyone hating on Daniel Jones today? And some random person who didn't have a picture of himself in his Twitter and, you know, 28 followers like sent me his stats. And I'm like, do you realize that he was passing the ball off because they should run the ball in this game? Like the the, the connection was like not there. And I'm like, Daniel Jones is doing his job and he is doing what he needs to do to win these football games. And I have no sort of bad ill will towards him whatsoever. I have the Falcons beating the Cowboys this week. I think the Falcons are going to win. So I really do, I. do. Dallas looked so bad last week. So. I, don't, I, I don't like Dallas right now. Do I still think they're the front runners for the division? Yes, and I don't think they're going to lose that, but I don't like them long term. I think their ceiling is one and done in the playoffs, like every other team in the NFC East. Um, you know, I mean, they have the talent, but at the end of the day, it, like it, it's about whether – Dak is an elite quarterback, and I've said numerous times in the show, I'm not 100% convinced that he is, and I've already given you my opinion on the head coach. Yeah. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah, well, Steve said he wants to see more consistency in Jones and thinks Garrett is holding him back. I do agree with that 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, Devontae Booker, bright spot in this game. I think moving forward, he needs to be um, a larger portion of this offense. 99 yards rushing, did a great job filling in for Barkley yet again. The Giants had their most rushing yards in a game since week two against Washington. I think their run blocking is getting much better. Granted, you went up against the Raiders defensive line that can apply pressure on the quarterback, but they can't stop the run for the life of them. Um, you know, I thought Booker was pretty good, and uh, he's our honorable mention for player of the week this week, but our actual player of the week is Hank gave a little spoiler before none other than X-Men. And I'm sorry, O'Shane Zimenez. It's not you. It's Xavier McKinney. (laughs) Uh, Hank, walk me through this year and why we decided on Xavier McKinney. This was one of the easiest player of the weeks that I can think of from the whole season. Two interceptions, the pick six was an absolute game changer because as I mentioned, the Raiders were starting the the second half with the ball. And this was right after they had taken the lead with the field goal. And you had to been thinking, Oh boy, we got to make sure to stop them. But then one of the first plays of the drive, he gets that pick six complete game changer because who knows what could have happened like going forward if, if it didn't happen. So I think that, and plus his second interception happened near the end of the game. And he also had seven tackles for them solo. 
two pass deflective and not to mention he was the defensive player of the week, the highest graded defensive player in week nine, 94.5. That is amazing. And you know, what's also incredible five picks in his first 15 NFL games. It's the most since Will Allen in 2001. And Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but is he the first giant this season that's gotten multiple player of the weeks? Yes, he was awarded our player of the week back when we play the Rams because he was yes. he had two picks against the Rams as well. And the only other DB to get multiple picks in multiple games this year is J.C. Jackson of the New England Patriots. I'm starting to think we really have something special in Xavier McKinney. I've known it from the start, but now you're really starting to see it come into fruition with Jabril Peppers out. McKinney is getting more opportunities, more reps, and – it's great for him. Seven passes defended as well. Um, he's really good in pass coverage. And he could also be a box safety. He can play wherever you want him to. He's very diversified in his skill set. And that's why I think he's going to have a very successful NFL career. So. And I want to show a little comment from Noah, best second-round DB out of Alabama. I still can't believe he was available when the Giants took him that year. I really can't. I, I was, like, stunned and when they took him, I was pretty ecstatic. Sam, what do you think of X? I mean, coming out of Alabama, you know, these kids are always going to be good, but I, I know I was very, very excited. And when we were, uh, I'm pretty sure we chose player of the week on Sunday, like before even Sunday night football had started, we had already decided, I mean, he played fantastic in this game. And again, that pick six, I think was definitely something that helped us to literally win this game. I know Roche won the game for us basically with that strip sack, but without that extra seven points, I don't know if we would have been able to win. Yeah. Yeah. Big game changer. And literally the moment I, right before I left my seat and got out of the stadium was when I texted you guys X man for player of the week. Yeah. Literally. Um, I, I think Booker's an honorable, honor, honorable mention. I think Roche as well. The last two weeks, he's played 58 and 59 snaps, respectively. Uh, the defense also forced three turnovers from Derek Carr. Had that one fumble on the strip sack, two picks, uh, third straight game where the Giants didn't allow a second-half touchdown. And the Giants' defense, they kept everything in front of them. Yet again, they gave up some yards to Wall, uh, Darren Waller over the middle of the field, but there was no big play threat for the Raiders. The Giants knew defensively they couldn't lose the game if they were giving up big chunks over the middle to Waller because the Raiders didn't really have anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We know the tight end has been a problem historically defensively for this team, but um, I like that. And I liked Riley Dixon, the way he played three punts down inside the 20 big red. Got to give him a shout. We haven't really talked about him much on the show this I year. I think it's just because he's been mediocre this year. I mean, this was a good game for him, but I actually think he's been pretty good. I just think, um, right. well, I was really shocked at Keon Cross and I thought he should have let the ball roll a little bit more, but you know, it, it, he's been a good special teams ace for us. So I really can't complain. And Hank, you brought this up. I didn't even notice, but the giants have won consecutive home games for the first time in, what is it, three years? Yes, and as I mentioned, I was at one of those home games during that stretch, and I was at one of those home games during this stretch. So yeah, maybe, who knows, maybe I'm not so so much of a jinx at MetLife Stadium as I thought I was. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 
It's tough. Giants typically aren't good trailing at halftime. Third down, the Giants were great. 50% Raiders not so great. Four for 12, despite accumulating over 400 total yards of offense and discipline. I think it was either the entertainer or Alex Wilson who pointed this out. Zero second-half penalties for the Giants. They were very disciplined this week, and that's what Joe Judge preaches. Um. You know, I, I thought that the the team has had some discipline issues because the Giants have the most special teams penalties in the NFL with 12 after that one on Crossan earlier in the game. Crossan didn't have his best game. Uh, but, Hank, if you just take us through a couple more of the cons quick before we bring up our guest in about two minutes. Really excited to have him on. But uh, what else really struck your eye that wasn't so good? on Sunday. So another thing that struck me that wasn't great, Daniel Jones now has six giveaways in his last four games. And, you know, that one hurt because other than that one fumble he had right at the end of the first half, this was actually one of his better games. Cause again, 15 for 20, 110 yards. Granted, he didn't have to throw the ball as much, but I thought he was overall solid, but seeing all these, seeing him start to turn the ball over more often, it is concerning because like all, everyone kept saying, Oh, he needs to limit the turnover, which is true. He doesn't, he did need to limit the turnovers, but seeing it more, seeing it more often now, it kind of brings back those concerns that we may have had before the season. But then again, when you really look at all those turnovers, I don't know if it's necessarily entirely a Daniel Jones problem, but it's just something to think about is what I'm really trying to get at here. And another thing that I, I noticed, this was the first time they gave up a touchdown on opponent's first, first possession. I believe it was the week 16 against Baltimore when they got smoked by the Ravens. And it's actually interesting enough. It's actually the first giant game, which both teams scored on their opening drive since week 16 of 2019 versus Washington, believe it or not. But I think the other, the other tough part was, not, not only were, did they have trouble stopping the run, Kenyon Drake also had 100 total scrimmage yards. So as much as good of a game as it was for the defense, I think there are, there, you still got saw some of their flaws during this game. So, again, it was an ugly win, and it's not one that I'm going to get my hopes up despite the fact the Giants are, like, within striking distance of a playoff spot. But as the cliche always goes, a win's a win. You take what you can get, especially when you look at the last three, four years. Win is a win. Sam, I think he pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think I think he did. And yes, I know that the Raiders uh, pass defense was something that we definitely uh, kind of like flew over because we didn't pass the ball that much. But I would love to see Daniel Jones kind of air the ball out a little bit more. But that is not also his call. It has to do with Jason Garrett. So, But I think we hit all the cons. Yeah, I think the play calling has been a hindrance for the Giants. But we will see what is coming up after the bye at this time. We're going to bring <laughs> on our guest for the evening, Craig Santucci of New York Giants Rush. Craig, thank you so much for joining us, taking the time tonight. How's it going, my friend? How are you guys doing? Is my audio okay? You're yeah, good. Yeah, great. Perfect. Right. Got this new mic, and it's, like, really, really finicky, so sometimes I'm too loud. So, But thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always always up to talk to Giants football. Absolutely. Now, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about how New York Giants Rush got started and Ooh. your website as well? 
That's a long story. Uh, I used to be the Giants featured columnist for Bleacher Report. Um, and that was a long time ago. So um, when Turner Broadcasting bought uh, Bleacher Report, they got rid of everybody. They were like, if we got to pay anybody, get rid of them. So I was like, uh, you know, I just wrote four years worth of content for you guys. And if that's the way it's going to be, I'll do it on my own. So I started in my Giants rush uh, 10 years, right after the Super Bowl, actually, if I remember correctly. And I've been doing uh, projects for different people. I hooked up with John Fennelly. We were doing a, a podcast for the USA Today. And over the years, I don't know, I've just been always looking for good writers, people who have that um, – you know, that labor of love. They're, they're, they want to get their voice out there, you know, good or bad. They want to talk giant. So I've had a lot of different people over the years, but the crew I have now is by far the best crew I've had in 10 years. Like they're passionate, they're educated, you know, they're very cerebral people. And, and they like, you know, they like doing it. You have to like, as you guys well know, you have to like this. If you don't like this when the team is so bad that you're like, why am I doing this? So <laughs> I guess the, the story is um, website's been around 10 years. Podcast has been around for, for um, in this uh, form, it's been around for three years, but realistically it only, it only took off like a, maybe uh, a year and a half ago with this new crew. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that information. <laughs> Um, I know I've been checking you guys out for the past few weeks now, so I definitely wanted to reach out to you and you know pick your brain a little bit on this team because I know sure. you've been covering it for a long time. And what were your thoughts on the game this past week? And obviously we know the Giants traditionally have smoked the Raiders. They won four out of their last five against them, but this was a five and two football team that we just beat. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had season tickets in my family since 1967, so I've seen like a ton of football, right? And the last couple of years have just been really hard. It's not any fun anymore, you know. Like I've only missed six games since 1984, right? It it yeah, I know I'm old, man. I'm old. Um, (laughs) I I have I have brown hair and, and long hair, but but I'm an old dude and. (laughs) <laughs> this specific game, I'll tell you. And I was listening to you guys talk in the in the on the I know the green room in the back. To me, this was a fun game. I had fun. This is the first time I actually enjoyed the game. Like watching the line. Okay, the offensive line is our albatross. We know that, right? And the, all of a sudden, the offensive line knows how to run block. Like out of nowhere. I mean, the Raiders are known for their front seven, and all of a sudden, we're opening holes. I'm watching a. You know, a nice, you know, backup quarterback run for 100 yards. Like, it was fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we didn't see uh, – Sam said she wants to see um, Daniel air the ball out. Like, here's the thing. That wasn't the game plan. Like, he can do it. We all want to see it. But once they realized that Booker was going to have some success, we were all frustrated because we want to see him go downfield to Tony and the Galladay. But – it was just fun to watch Booker run because we didn't expect to see that. So we were like, whoa. And then the defense comes to play, right? So um, you look at um, Carter, big disappointment. Zimenez, big disappointment. They finally make a move to put those gentlemen on the bench. And now I've got more snaps for Ojolari and I got more snaps for Roche. And we're like, hey, we've got a pass rush. We're setting the edge. We're not getting smoked. 
You know, all of a sudden, like the defense is starting to play. So for me, to answer your question is, I liked the game. I had fun at the game. Um, you know, when you're when you're a two-win football team, I'm a go for it guy. I saw Eli Manning throw six interceptions against Minnesota, you know, ten years ago, and uh, two of those were pick sixes. Uh, 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 Sam said it two a couple of minutes ago. I mean, McKinney basically wins the game for you. When is the last time a New York Giants team had two interceptions in a game and one of them a pick six? Mm-hmm. A long time. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, no, I'm dying. Check out that answer. Yeah, I mean, if I, it might be Michael Boley. I don't remember, uh, but I don't know. I had so I guess to answer your your question, Thomas, I had fun. I thought it was a nice. Um, it was more than a nice win. Raiders are a pretty good team. Uh, you know, Carr's having probably his best season as a pro. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that team does have a lot of. Oh, I don't know what the word would be. Um, there's a lot of drama. Drama is not the right word. They have a lot going on as a franchise between the receivers and the coach, you know, getting fired. There's a lot going on over there. So without being opportunistic, the Giants were in the right place at the right time, and they, they showed up. Absolutely. Yeah. I know, Sam and Hank, you both have some questions as well. Uh, let's get to them. Uh Sam. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, we were talking earlier about Daniel Jones and how I really have liked Daniel Jones, not only this year, but since he got drafted, I've kind of been riding this Daniel Jones train and I'm like, we just got to win it out. He's getting there and he's doing what he needs to do. I want to know what your thoughts on Daniel Jones are, because I think that we're a pretty pro Daniel Jones uh, group of people over here. I like the jersey. Um, So... So, all right, let me say this. There are 1,800 players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The quarterback is the hardest position in all sports. All the sports. It is the number one hardest position, and then people don't give it a lot enough credit where it's due. What they have to learn, okay, they have to know every position. They have to know what the guards are doing, the tackles are doing, the wide receiver, the slot receiver, the tight end, the running back. They know everything. There's not a position on the team that has to know as much information as he does. You know, there's so much that goes into being a quarterback in the NFL. And if you think about it, you know, this rock that we spin on called Earth, there's only 32 guys with this job, right? So it's not like it's an easy job. Um, Jones is a product, though. When you get into, like, the um, the measurables on Jones, he's got – He's got um, – I'm trying to think what I would call it. He's a he's a coach pleaser, right? He wants everybody to like him, okay? And that's his downfall because, you know, if he was just a gunslinger, I'm going to make this happen kind of guy, people would love him. But he's Eli Light. And he, this was the same thing we went through with Eli Manning. We were like, will this guy get pissed off and tell Shockey to shut the bleep up? Like – those kind of things we're seeing all over again, except with today with social media, there's a whole lot less patience. So he's got a very bad offensive line. His receivers are constantly in the training room in the tub. You know, he's got, you know, um, um, a defense who can't get off the field on, you know, they're the worst defense on third down there is. Um, you know, you've got um, a play caller who people keep saying, well, why, why doesn't Garrett, you know, help him out with, with the tight end? People forget Jason Witten. I mean, um, 
Jason Garrett didn't call plays in Dallas for 10 years. He wasn't calling any of those plays for 10 years. They took the play calling away from Jason Garrett. So all those great years, Jason Whitney wasn't calling the play. So I'm with you, Sam, and all, all of you guys. Um, most of my crew, including myself, were, were pro Daniel Jones because he is showing progression. His biggest limitations was, was he locks on a receiver. You knew where he was going with the ball. You know, he cut his turnovers in half from 2019 to 20. And now like, he's got the turnovers down. He's not throwing those, those stupid uh, picks. Yes, if you get hit from behind by a 275-pound guy, there's a good chance you may drop the ball. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't completely put it on him. But um, he's cut his turnovers down. He's going through progression. You can see him scanning the field. He's looking, he's looking one. He's looking two. He's looking three. Um you know, he's he's kind of caught in this rock in a hard place where he's not going to step up and tell you what he thinks. He's not going to be like, I'm bone out of this play. That play sucks. You know, we got at the goal line. They run the ball two against, um, uh, what was the game two weeks ago? Um, rant, rant. Who, they, who did they just uh, play? Panthers? Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, Panthers. No, it was Panthers. We're on the goal line. They ran the ball up the middle two straight times. Like, you can see by the personnel that they put on the field what they're going to do. Like, there's no creativity. In this world, when you watch the Chiefs play, the Rams play, the Saints play, when you watch Dallas play, super creative, a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, You know, they'll they'll heavy load one side and then backdrop it, you know, with a a back out of the backfield and run a bubble screen. Like, we don't do any of those. And then I almost feel like, and I apologize if I'm going too long. Um, oh, you're good. I feel like they, I no. feel like they, I feel like they appease us. Like where Garrett's yeah. like, well, if I sprinkle in three trick plays, everybody will be happy. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. I'm thinking of when Kadarius threw the ball and or tried to throw the ball. Yeah, and I'm like, oh. like that's a like that's a bad play. Like you bring yeah. him in, you know, some okay. He's lined up at quarterback. No one's, no one's. Where I sit on the stadium, Jones is, was out wide on my side. He was, like, right there. I'm on the 22-yard line. You can see Jones. You're like, this is not going to Jones. They're not going to throw Jones in a pass pattern. Like, just, you know, at that point in the game. So, so I like Jones. I think Jones is kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place that he's got a little bit. You know, we needed an offensive nerd to call plays, and we don't have that guy. And we, don't, and we have an offensive line that's very limited in what they do. And then he's also a nice guy. He's not like, coach, this sucks. We need to do something else. Come on. You know, he's just like, sure, if that's what you asked me to do, I'll do it. If that was Aaron Rodgers, he'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm not doing that. He's like, I'm not running that play. And he would audible out of that play, right? Or if that was Russell Wilson, he'd be like, yeah, okay, Pete, I got it. I'm doing something else. Like, So I like Daniel Jones. I, I think he's – He'll be there's there's no doubt he'll be back next year. You don't want to know why? Because there's no quarterbacks in the NFL that you, I mean in college football right now that you're salivating over drafting. Mm-hmm. There's only one guy that you would swap right now that would be temp, uh, technically available, and that would be Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle and he forces himself into like a a team where his wife can thrive with her music and stuff, it would be New York Jets Giants. That's a good spot. I would do it. Outside of Russell Wilson, you're like you don't want anybody, anyone that's going to be available. You're not going to want them. I wonder if, like in his years, if when he starts to become more seasoned and and 
get to a point in time where I wonder if Daniel Jones will ever be that guy because I don't feel like Eli ever got to that point. I don't ever think he actually said, well, maybe when McAdoo was there, but I feel like he never actually said, like, no, we're not doing this. Like, I feel like he was kind of the same way. It's it's not his DNA, and that's okay. If you've got a guy that's on the same page with him, I I just, you know, I'm I'm not a Garrett guy. I mean, I'm sure Hank, Tom, I'm sure you guys have jumped in here, here. too. Is anybody a Garrett guy? No. No. I I like him as a person. Like, you know, he's he's a cool guy. I mean, you know. Okay. You want to go there. Not an offensive coordinator, though. It's fun to talk to. I got to fist bump him at MetLife Stadium uh, a few months back at FanFest. But other than that, like, you know, it's. Yeah. Play calling-wise, he's not the guy. No. (laughs) No, like I said, I feel like he's appeasing me. When he throws in, like, these three trick plays, I'm almost like, stop doing that. You're just doing that to make us feel like you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's so true, though. Yeah, yeah like, man. I'm really – like, when I see a trick play, Sam, when I saw that with Tony come out, I was mad. I was like, this isn't going to work. Why are they doing this? Yeah. Because then they went back to just – and and as much as I had a good time, I wanted to see, you know, Jones throw the ball like anybody does. You want to yeah. see him throw downfield. That's his expertise. He's very – He's a very – I find he's a very accurate quarterback. We all know the stats that he's got a, a really great deep ball. Um, you want to see him do it. It just happened to be that the game plan worked out this week because he didn't really need to throw for 300 yards because Booker did his job and the defense did their job. So um, it was a good um, – I don't know. I, I can see jo- – if they get Jones an offensive line, I, I, you know, I, I see no reason to jet set him out. I mean, look, all you have to do, give him a clean pocket. You you look at the tapes. When he has a clean pocket and he throws the ball, he's good. Yeah. And Stop. don't forget that when you have a clean pocket, you know, you start to now have the ability to put the RPO back in the game. All of a sudden now he's – is he going to throw? Is he going to run? Is he going to keep it? Like you're you're you're, you're adding on to the, uh, the tools in the toolbox because he's great with the ball in his hand, but I don't want them to rely on that too much because – you know, he, he's a big dude. He takes hits. He's easy. You know, he, Lamar's a lot easier to miss than, than Daniel Jones is. I mean, so I want to, I, I want, I'd like to see him be used his ability, but until you get an offensive line, I don't really know, you know, if he's going to survive. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. But now let's talk about guys who, who've been really surprising. Cause there's a lot of the, those players on this team, which player in your opinion has been the biggest surprise of the season? Okay, so when you mean surprise, like someone I didn't think was going to do great and is doing great? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, I would probably say Ojolari only because there's a rookie curve. Um, not, I knew he was talented. He was supposed to be a first-round pick, right? Get him, mm-hmm. in, the, get him mm-hmm. in the second round. He played ball with Thomas. They're boys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at his tape – you know, he bends really well. He's very good, you know, on – he'll need – he needs to add some weight on. Um, he needs to work on against the run. But I'm really shocked that, you know, he's having this much success against offensive tackles in the NFL. Not – not. I didn't believe – I didn't um, – I didn't doubt him. I just thought there'd be a little bit more of a rookie curve. But you think about, oh, Jalari's gone from, you know, what – 20 snaps to 40 snaps to 50 snaps. Like they also see, you know, what he's bringing. He's very dynamic. He needs to work on his run game. But I think Ojolari, at least on the defense, has surprised me. Um, 
on the offense, it's really hard to say because, um, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's the easy pick would be Tony, but like, that would be the easy pick, but he hasn't been on the field enough. Like I don't, the sample size is kind of small. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I guess on the offensive side, like after last week, I mean, Booker really surprised me. Did you guys think Booker was going to be able to do that? I was not expecting that not either. To that extent. Uh, I I randomly, because my starting running back is now out for the season, Derrick Henry, sadly, I just randomly said, you know what, let's take take Booker. Why not? He gets me 99 yards, does well for my fantasy. So, yeah. Right. And I I think it just goes to show you, you don't need to throw the bank at at Barkley when his contract is coming up. You know, he's going to have to play on the franchise tag next year. That's going to be the reality of this situation. You nailed that. You nailed that, Tom. That's because because look, Mara loves certain guys. That's why when Sam asked what I thought of Jones, it almost doesn't really matter what we think. Mara's not letting Jones go. Mara's right. not letting letting Barkley go. So yeah, he's got to play on the tag because you know, I don't. I mean, I mean, you want to love the guy, but yeah. Sometimes sometimes he's just all about his brand, and I'm more like yep. I'm like look. You got to get on the field. <laughs> we want to win too, right? So. And stay healthy. My other issue with Saquon is when he is healthy, sometimes he'll go backwards and try to be a little too fancy, and then that all and that makes things worse. Like, like a, a good north and south guy is really all you, you need. You don't yeah. need all these flashy players to win championships. And no. I think that's that's it, part of the issue. We've missed the point this past decade. We need to build the trenches, and we haven't really focused on that. Outside of Justin Pugh and maybe Andrew Thomas, we haven't drafted any good offensive linemen at all. No. It's it's also, uh, Thomas, it's, it's a tough spot because there has been guys that draft drafted that didn't work out. But if you look at history, we've got success with um, – yeah, those Penn State running backs. I'm, I'm, I'm with Steve there on that one. Um, you know, we've had we've had a lot of success with like remember Sean O'Hara was it was a, a free agent signing from Cleveland. David Deal's a fifth round draft pick. McKenzie was a free agent from the Jets. Um Richie Soiber was an, un, an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, Kevin Booth was caught. I mean, so we've had some success there. Now we're trying to duplicate that. It's not working. Like right. you know, l- l- listen, Gates was a big blow. Gates, Gates, I mean, the guy, guy, guy became a captain by his peers. He did a great job last year. You saw how he didn't back down to Aaron Donald. The guy's tough as nails. That's a big blow. And it even hurts even more is that he got hurt, not at center. You got hurt at guard. That, that, that hurts me because I think in my head, if he was playing guard, if he was playing center where we wanted him to be, would he have gotten hurt? I don't know. Yeah, I still don't agree with that left guard switch, uh, which I think all three of us are in alignment that Billy Price is probably our least favorite player on the team currently. Um, has everything to do with what he he's done and pass protection and run blocking. He has not been the best center at all. Um, to cap it off with that awful slide at the end of the uh, Kansas City game. And, or and the blocking of was. the run. And the blocking of the run, that's that's what yeah. sold me. I was like, my God, this man yeah, is so bad. Yeah, literally blocked the run from happening. But I mean, we're just seeing all these oh, young players talking come about in. when he turned around and ran into Booker? Yes. Yeah. I, I still to, laugh at that. To this point, I still can't figure out what he was doing. <laughs> uh, this guy's a former first-round pick. 
I literally said we wear different color jerseys for a reason yeah. there, Billy, so that yeah. we don't hit our own yeah. teammates. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, when's the last time you saw a center with his back to the defense? Like, the minute he's turning around, you should go, yeah, I don't think I should be looking into the backfield. Something's wrong. Oh, my God. It's terribly really wrong. Not good. Um, so, um, you know, um, you know, I guess your original question was surprise. I'm going to go with Ojolari, and I don't really have an offensive yeah. one because, again, Tony's a little easy, but sample size is a little small. I was telling Sam and Hank leading up to the draft, there's a good chance we're getting Ojolari. I just don't know where. And the fact that we traded back from at 50 was a steal. And people are saying, well, the injury concern. He had one minor issue at Georgia. Since high school, he's been essentially clean. And he's been clean all year for us. He hasn't missed a game. Um, The guys who have missed games are Aaron Robinson and Ellerson Smith, who are two players I think are going to both be relied on a lot more in the second half of the season. Um, we've seen Farrell Cooper is returning kicks now. I mean, that's all. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm like, I'm trying to identify him to start the game. I'm like, I usually know who every player on the roster is. By they signed him that. Camp. They signed him that week. Yeah, they mm-hmm. added him to the practice squad. They um, they, they did some moving around the because Darnay Holmes was back there. Peppers got hurt. So with Peppers being with. With Peppers being hurt, right? Yeah. And then you're worried about your 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 DBs. They couldn't afford to get Darnay Holmes hurt, so they had to bring in Cooper because if if Darnay Holmes gets hurt re- returning kicks, now you're down. Now you're down. You know Peppers and Holmes, and you've already you know um, you know are relying on uh, um, um, you know those uh, Dory Jackson and McKinney and those guys to not get hurt. So. You know, yeah. you don't want to lose another body. And I, they signed him. But just, you know, um, again, we're not very deep. The team's not very deep. Yeah. And, you know, it still comes down to what you said. Like, like, just we needed linemen and we didn't draft. I'm glad they got Ojolari. Um, but there's really no opportunity. As If, if Saquon's going to dance – you know, you're not going anywhere. You need him to hit the uh, – yeah, he is a first-round talent, no doubt. Yes. Um, you know, and Roche now just – I mean, you, you know, we all kill Gettleman, but I I don't know where he found Roche. It's, it's awesome because <laughs> I think this kid can play. He found him. He found Gates. I mean, he, he's holding on to this stuff. So, you know, um, but it's crazy. We're heading into the bye week three and six. The Giants were one of four teams below 500 to beat a first place team last week. The NFL was drunk in week nine. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of weird <laughs> off kiltered events happened. Um, I guess before we get into the bye week, we talked about where you stand with Jones. Where do you stand with Gettleman? That's uh, a hard question, but I know what the answer is. Um, I'm the first guy up until probably three weeks ago. I kept telling people that when the Giants won Super Bowls, it was because of him in, in a player personnel role. He's the one that brought in Plaxico Burris. He brought in Antrell Roll. He brought in Kavika Mitchell. Like he's actually has a good eye and a good relationships in the NFL with agents and teams. He's always brought in really good free agents. You know, like. We built those guys, Chris Canty. All those guys came in because of, of Gentleman. But now I'm at the point now where I just want to. I want 
Like, look what look what happened to OB, OBJ today, right? Like, I want a guy that can sit there and say, you know, I'm a player or two away. I'm going to go get this guy. Like, I, I just want someone aggressive. And, I, and as much as I, I appreciate everything, Dave, I don't hate Dave Gettleman. There are some people out there, you know, that are, I, you know, I love them all, but they're crazy. Like, they're just like, he's the worst ever. Got to get rid of him. Like, he's not great. The, the game has kind of passed him by. Uh-huh. But I just want some young dude that understands, like, hey, I need to move this money here and this movie here. I need that guy. I need that guy. Like, when, like we can't, we can't protect Daniel Jones. If he's your future, you better find guys to protect Daniel Jones. Why are you getting rid of Zeitler? Find another way to do it. Like some of the moves don't make a whole lot of sense. We traded for that cat from Green Bay to play special teams and we cut him. Like, you know, there are some things that he does that are good and some of them are just head scratchers. So where I sit is he can't come back. It's just there's no more room for it. One, the stand-up comedy that he does every year in front of the camera drives me nuts. Okay? Like, like I can see him being like, hey, I'll be here all week. Try the veal. You know, like I just I can't I can't I can't do it anymore, Tom. I can't do it. Like like I was pro Gettleman for a while. I'm I'm still under the assumption he's either going to A retire or B resign. I think those are the two more likely options than him actually getting fired because that's the Giants way to do things. Yep. Right. Yeah. The Giants don't like to fire. I mean, they <laughs> like him. They have a good relationship with him. I mean ultimately that's what I think is going to happen. One of those yeah. two options. Yeah, I, I agree. You know so there's it might this, sound out of left field, but that's how no, it's no, 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 it's not at all. You're being a realist. I mean, there's there's this yin and yang thing, right? It's like, okay, what needs to happen is you bring in a young. I'm not saying I subscribe to, but you bring in a young GM. He decides to keep Judge or get a new head coach and a new quarterback. That's like this, but I don't subscribe to any of that because my, the problem with that is is you're starting over, and when you start over. You're automatically hitting the reset button and saying, we won't win for three years. And by the way, you still don't know if you're going to win at the three-year. You're expected to win at three years. Doesn't mean you'll actually win at three years, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the best thing for the New York Giants, in my humble opinion, is that – and again, I probably your, your, your listeners and your fans are probably going to be like, that guy's an ass. Never have that Santucci guy on again. But I, I think <laughs> – I think I think the best thing right now for the New York Giants is to do two things: is Gettleman retires. Okay, they're they're not going to get rid of Abrams. Okay, so like Abrams doesn't do the cap. People think Abrams doesn't cap. He's got a whole whole wing of people doing the cap, right? So Abrams becomes your GM. But I'm hoping what would happen it's it's unmara like, but that they bring in a young assistant GM, a young sharp cat from another franchise that brings in new ideas. I don't care where he comes from. I don't care who he is. I want them to bring in a guy from Kansas City or New England or Seattle or wherever, okay, to assist in Abrams so he can infuse new ideas because the giant way has sucked for basically nine of ten years. So (laughs) if Abrams is there, there's the stability. Players do like Abrams, younger guy. Smart cat, very cerebral, good. Still the giant way. 
bring in an assistant GM. So then if, you know, if Abrams decides he wants to retire, move on, you got that young cat that you're grooming. Judge is not going to go either because you're not going to go six years with three coaches. You're not going to go to McAdoo, to Shermer, to Judge. You're going to keep, you're most likely going to keep Judge and Judge is going to keep Jones. I, so where I stand on Gettleman is he's, he's just got to go. We need some youth injected into the system. We need some someone to be like, hey, Hank's available. I'm going to get Hank. I know I don't have the money. I'm going to find the money because I need Hank. And that's the kind of guy the fan base is like, whoa, yeah, go do that. Like, we don't do anything. Like, ah, yeah. anyway, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Sam, we got a bye week coming up, and I was talking to you about this. Joe Judge is telling all of – we were just talking about Joe Judge – telling all of his players, be smart this week. Don't do what the Raiders did last week. I mean, that was just atrocious. And right. after entering the bye week, the, the Giants have already been busy. They waived Sam Beal yesterday, uh, a day or two ago. So there, there's been a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is – the most subtle, like subtle and just easiest way to just be like, take your days off, do what you need to do, but we do not need whatever's happening with Henry Ruggs, whatever's happening in Las Vegas. Like we do not need anything like that. So I think that that was in terms of a leadership role that Joe judge is here for, and he does some things maybe we don't like so much. Sometimes he does things we do like, but I think that was the best way to just be like, just stay smart. And that's exactly what my dad told me when I went off to college. He said, be smart and be safe. And he tells me that to this day. So it's a very subtle way of just being like, do what you need to do, but let's not get crazy. So I think that that was really great on Joe Judge's part in terms of being a coach and being a leader and letting his team know where he stands. Are you guys pro-judge? Absolutely. Yeah. For the most part. Sometimes yeah. it's like, oh, come on. Why? I, I honestly was very upset with him when he threw that challenge flag like a month or two ago. And it You're was like, like I didn't like that. You got to know the rules, man. Like you got to figure this out. And like, I get it. Yes, you are in your second year of coaching, but at this point you should know you don't have to throw the challenge flag for that. So uh, things like that bother me. But I, overall as a whole, I think that he runs this team fairly well. I also didn't like the whole thing about the timeouts and him saying like he had issues with like, the, yeah, that too. The issues with the sound stuff. Like, no, can't be using that excuses post game. You're going to come off, come across as a certain coach who shall remain nameless, claiming he had to look at the tapes. So, no, <laughs> that stuff I don't like. But <laughs> otherwise, I don't really, I don't have anything against Joe Judge. I think he's done an okay job. He's had, he's had things in and out of his control that happened this year. I can't entirely fault him, despite what's happened this year. Hank, if you get a chance, look up what Boomer Esiason said about the headsets. Um, oh, I want to see that. <laughs> so, so Boomer says he called to a couple a couple teams around the NFL, and it turns out that Judge, ha- it's not the it's not the um, it's not the headset that he had a problem with. There's a black box on the sideline that controls all the headsets, and Boomer said he wanted to really find out if he was full of shit or not. Excuse my French. Um, that it turns out that there was no update like for the, the, for that game. So the, the, the problem judge was having actually was really happening because they didn't have a communications guy on the sideline to update the software. It's their, it's the giant's fault. They didn't run the test 
from the beginning. Right. Like they should have had yeah. someone on the field do it. So there's no excuse, but I just thought it was cool. Cause I didn't think that Boomer would go to bat for judge, but he did. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And like I said, I'm not saying he was right to, he was right to say that in his post game. Cause trust me, I hate when coaches like make a certain excuse like that. Sure. A la AB New York Rangers. Oh, we had some good looks tonight. No, I hate that. <laughs> but generally speaking, I'll defend Joe judge. Generally speaking, you know, I, I can only hope that, you know, you're, you're, you're right. That he's got more people on his side than not. Cause I'd really hate to see another coaching staff. Yeah. That would, that would suck. It, like, it, it, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want that either. I, I don't want that either because I think the coaching staff he's put together is mostly good. I think there's a lot of, you know, like I think Burton Burns has done a good job with the running backs. Um, they've switched Jody Wright from defense to offense. And Sean Spencer is doing a good job. The The biggest thing, too, we talked about the pass rush last year. Why were they able to get so much juice out of guys like Carter Coughlin and Jabal Sheard? It's because they had Brett Bielema there, who is now a college football head coach. He was such a good assistant coach. He didn't even last the full season. The guy got hired by Illinois, who just knocked off Penn State and Minnesota two weeks in a row. So he's instilling a culture there that he started here. So I I think that kind of attributes to what we've been talking about. Um, And now I think the defense is hitting its stride. The matter, the purpose of this bye week for the Giants is to get healthy because we're looking at guys. We're looking at Barkley. We're looking at Sterling Shepard. We're looking at Andrew Thomas. We're looking at Carter Coughlin. Those four guys, they need to get healthy because I'm looking at the schedule. Eight games remain. Only three of them are against teams above 500. Now, a team's record doesn't always tell the story. For instance, last week we played the 5-2 and Raiders. We knew they're not like – we knew they weren't going to play like a 5-2 and team last week. We know why because Derek Carr was helped keeping that team together yeah now it's oddly enough the Giants three wins this season are against teams who are either currently seated in the playoffs or right outside in the Saints Panthers and um the Raiders how did I forget that because that's who we played last week but we're just looking at these games like Washington Kansas City and Atlanta our record literally should be reversed uh, does this ring a bell at the same thing we said last year? Yeah. Remember, yeah. The Giants lost three games last year by a total of six points. We, you know, uh, Ingram drops the walk off against Philly. You know, just uh, I'm what you that said. That one gets me. Yeah. So, what I would ask you guys, and this is kind of me throwing this to you guys, and maybe it's yeah. a, a topic for another day, but like. Why does this team start off so slow every year? Like, you know, we're almost at the same record we were at last year. Like, it's almost literally, if I told you this was 2020, you'd be like, I believe it. It's like literally the same thing. Like, we're just starting to get momentum now. It's very hard um, to gain momentum when you're that far down in the pipe. So, you know, I don't know if you guys have any any thoughts on it, but, like, you can't start off this slow, you know, as an NFL team, and it just feels like we did this last year. It's almost identical. Mm-hmm. It gets late early out there. One of my favorite yogiisms. <laughs> yeah. Love yep. Look, Craig, as much as I agree <laughs> with what you said, like, I'd rather 
end the season well. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. You, you can't start off this slow. Like, if the Giants split or started, like, at worst two and four and then got on a little run, that'd be okay. But now we're looking at we have the Bucks, we have the Eagles, and we have the Dolphins. We have to pretty much sweep that in order to consider ourselves legit playoff threats, in my opinion. If the Giants well, how- somehow get back to six and six – we can kind of have this conversation, you know? I mean, I think that people are like, oh, well, the wild card standings. We can't really have that discussion at this time. No. What, what I think being realist, let's just be real. Yeah. What you what you and I, you know, we, we all should be hoping for one thing, and that's eight wins right now. Mm-hmm. Like Because, one, that's progress, two, over last year. You started off, you know, way down in the pipe, as I just mentioned. Like, so to get to eight wins, you're winning more the second half than you did the first half. It's very hard to climb out when you're down that hole. But, like, it's fun, okay? It's fun to say we sweep the Eagles, we beat Washington, we beat Miami and Chicago. We're a playoff team. That is fun. But realistically, in your head – it's like, okay, let's slow the roll a little bit and let's just find our way to, to eight wins. Seven wins to me isn't a win because you added another game on. It's a wash. It's a 17-game season. Winning seven t- games is the same as you did last year, you're right? So you're even. You need eight and eight. At eight and eight, or, I mean, if you win eight games, at least I'm feeling a little bit better about the future and where they're going. Tom, if they turn into a playoff team, I'm buying all three of you dinner. Okay, I mean, because, I mean, man, you know, I didn't say where I was going to take you to dinner. I just said I was going to buy you dinner. Um, <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> no, definitely not McDonald's. No. Um, but, but maybe Chick-fil-A, but maybe not McDonald's. Wow, you read, you read, read my mind. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, you know, right now you got to beat Miami because because you should beat Miami. You yeah. got to beat Chicago because you should beat Chicago, and we already know that we basically uh, the Washington game blows my mind more than any of them because I was that game was more than winnable, and you know you're playing for field goals instead of touchdowns. You know, Tom, we don't score points, we don't score touchdowns. That's the biggest issue this entire team has at the end of the day is we don't we don't block for Jones, we don't we can't get the defense off the field, and then when those even start working. We still can't score. Yeah, sometimes it feels like they get away from what makes them successful. They start, like, as the second half comes, I think maybe because they've been used to losing so much. And this is just me. This isn't, like, something that like, you guys are thinking. Like, I feel like they just they play not to lose. And I said all this all the time. Way back. <laughs> playing to lose or playing not to lose is a fancy way of saying playing scared. I'm sorry if that's a little too harsh. That's just how I feel. And if you really look at it, that's the reality of it. It is what yeah. it is, you know? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're uh, right I, I'm with you there. I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for eight, eight wins. That's what I'm shooting for. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and, and you got to sweep the Eagles. You got to beat Miami. And you got to beat Chicago just to at least make this a not such a doom and gloom season, you know, because everybody's right. kind of, you know, everybody's tired of losing. You know, I mean, think about it. You're going to retire Michael Strahan's jersey, and there's going to be 10,000 Eagles fans there. Just as a franchise alone, it's a stupid idea. And I usually don't use the word stupid because that always reminds me of that 
that that movie, the game plan with the rock. Where yeah. he, where is a mean word, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Hank. Thank you very I remember much for that movie very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I always remember that quote and I try not to say it, but like, you know, we just make so much, we make such these ignorant decisions. Like Michael Strand deserves better than have 10,000 Eagles fans booing him as they retire his jersey. Like we don't do the, the smart thing. We don't play for touchdowns. Hank just said playing scared. Like, so that comes from the top down, you know? So, you know, right now I can't look at like playing the playoffs because I don't, I don't trust the franchise to go to the playoffs. Right. Cause right. we're not right now. Tom, if I asked you, would you take six interceptions, but three touchdowns from Galladay and Tony, you, you, would you take that? Mm, that's a tough question, honestly. Because you know what? I would take it. You know why? Because I know I'm not going to the playoffs, but I yeah. have no idea what my playmakers could do. I probably would as well, but. No, I, it's a little bit of a trick question, but Which, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, what does Tony do? One good game. What does right, Galladay yeah, do? Yeah. He ain't done anything. Right, like so. For right now, I'm like fun and done. Well, can we just can we just go for it? We're going to lose a lot of these games anyway. We have one last segment that I kind of want to preview here. It's called buy or sell. You know, it's funny you're talking about touchdowns, and we have six questions for all of us to answer. And I kind of want to see where we fall on the spectrum here with this. Um, so we'll start with you, Craig. Then we'll go to Sam, Hank, and then myself. Um, the first topic is, so as we all know, we're very happy to say, not really, Evan Ingram leads the team with two touchdown catches on the season. Will he still lead the team in touchdown catches by the season's end? Craig, buy or sell? Sell. So, you're getting all your, you know, you're getting all your playmakers back. They, like, the fans are going to go crazy if you don't throw the ball to Tony. They're going to lose their mind. I yeah. mean, you know, I can't see it any other way. I, I literally have the same exact thing written down. I have sell and then playmakers because there's a lot of people on this team. And while yeah. Tony and, and Galladay both have not scored a touchdown yet, I have a feeling they will soon. And I just don't see Ingram being able to catch enough balls to make it to that. Hey. <laughs> The got? real question I have is, is he going to be the tight end that has the most touchdowns on the squad this year? So, yeah, I'm going to say sell. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. We all predicted Rudolph would have more touchdowns than Ingram before the season started. Right now we're down two to one in that department. But I'm going <laughs> sell as well. Um, I think it's going to be either a guy like Shepard or Galladay or somebody eventually is going to come out and steal that title away from him so clean sweep for the first one very uh very impressive i I think we're gonna have some splits here coming up though the second topic kenny galladay will score his first touchdown as a giant before Kadarius tony craig buy or sell uh selling because um tony is all about yak you know yards after the catch where galladay is a possession receiver so, you know, and down at the end zone, we're more likely to throw to um, an Ingram or Rudolph before we throw it to Galladay. Um, Galladay, is a, to me, is a 30-to-30 is a, a 30 30 guy, 30-yard 30 line to the 30-yard line, you know. He's catching 
longer passes, first down patches, contested passes, but there's no yak where I might hit, I may hit Tony at the 15 yard line and he does that whole joystick thing and he runs in for a touchdown. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I'm also going to say sell. Um, and I know that Tony's receptions was like way down this past week and they were even asking about him in the press conference. But I say after you ask him about it, they're, all of a sudden he's going to get hit left and right. So I'm going to go with Tony's going to get the get that before Galladay. You know what? I'm going to be the first deviant here. I'm going to say bye. I think eventually if the Giants are getting to the red zone, I think Galladay is going to be a guy that you want to rely on. I mean, last I checked, wasn't that the reason we signed Galladay in the first place? No. Uh, contested, so, ball, contested ball, 50-50 balls. Yeah. yeah. I think – I, I don't know. I just have a weird feeling it's going to be Galladay, but also I'm saying that because I kind of wanted to be the first deviant in this little segment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it because I was, and I'm selling this one. I think it's going to be Kadarius Tony. Uh, pretty much everything Craig and Sam just said, they they aligned it perfectly. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Galladay though, but I'm gonna if I had to put money on it, I'd put Kadarius Tony, which leads us to our third topic. Leonard Williams, who is currently tied for the team lead with five and a half sacks with our good friend Aziz, will finish the season as the Giants' leading sack getter for the second straight year. Buy or sell for Leonard Williams ending the season as the sack leader? Oof. Damn, that's a big question. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. I'm going to say... Man, can, can they be a tie? Um, <laughs> all right. Then we'd have to sell, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, all right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go sell only because Leonard Williams is getting a lot. You know, he's hitting a lot of double teams. Um, and you're playing against some really good lines coming up with Dallas and Washington. Um, I think it's close. Like, I can see Leonard having having 10 sacks and Ojolari having 12. I can see Ojolari having 10 and Leonard having nine. It's, it won't be a runaway. So I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to go that route because I just, I think that Ojolari is being underestimated by a lot of offensive tackles, right? Cause they're like, ah, it's a rookie, big deal. Yeah. And he's, you know, and he's, and he's around the ball um, where they know who Leonard Williams is and he's getting double teamed. And when you watch the all 22, I mean, he's got double teamed. He's getting chipped from a tight end. Like, you know, you can almost see he's getting tired of getting double teamed because sometimes he looks like, I don't want to say he takes a play off, but he's not in the play, you know, because he's just being, you know, pushed around and you run out of gas after a while. So I'm going to have to go with the, I'm going to have to go with the, uh, um, the cell. Uh, I will, I will deviate. I will say bye because of how well, he's been playing the past few weeks, but I know that the three of us did talk about how Ojolari would have like 10 sacks on the season by the end of the year. And I can definitely still see that happening, but I don't know. Williams has really been just pretty solid lately. And while defenses do know him, I, I just, I have a feeling that he, he is a little bit more seasoned and Ojolari still is a rookie. So I am going to go with bye. See, this is a tough question because, again, I think, Craig, you made a lot of great points. Like, I think Ojolari will probably have the benefit of not being double teamed as much. But at the end of the day, it's a rookie getting five and a half sacks is alone is, is impressive enough. But 
with that being said, Leonard Williams, I got to go with the hot hand here. So, therefore, bye, bye, bye. It ain't no lie. <laughs> so, I'm also going to like that, Sam. I'm also going to buy this one only because I've seen the way they use Leonard Williams. You could play him at the zero tech. You could play him at the three tech or the four I, the five tech as well. So, I think you move him around, try to get away from some of those double teams. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Ojolari. I think we're talking like maybe a half a sack, one sack difference here, guys. So I'm going to go by, but I don't say that with a whole lot of confidence. And uh, we'll get to our fourth point here. We have this one and then two more. Uh, Nate Solder, who we all love, one of the best free agent signings of all time. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll start at right tackle for the remainder of the season. Craig, buy or sell? I'm selling that. He's done. The minute they get Thomas and Pert together, they both start. He, you know, he has been a, you know, they, Joe Judge, I uh, uh, I interviewed Paul Dettino, and Paul, very close to the team, told me that Joe Judge called Solder and said, please come back. We can depend on you. We trust you. We know you know the system. We believe in your work ethic, and they brought him back. Um, and he said, Hey, look, the head coach called me to come back. I'm coming back. He's a, you know, he's got, he's got a hard life. He's got, he's got a lot of family issues with his, with his little guys, you know, um, which is mm-hmm. hard, but I, I can't, I can't see, I can't see it happening if you have a healthy Pert and a healthy Thomas. Yeah. I'll have to agree with Craig. I, I had the same thing there and it's, yeah, once Andrew Thomas returns, it's it's. I mean, he was just doing so great before he got injured. Like we were all so proud of him. <laughs> like he really, mm-hmm. in that off season, performed so well. So I'm gonna have to say the same thing. Yeah, that is a very hard sell for me as well. I think, again, the only reason he's even at this position, I think, like you said, the Joe Judge phone call. We, well, he has a relationship with Joe Judge with the Patriots too before that. So no, I think of that course, yeah. But at the end of the day. I, I think he's he's going to be supplanted by the better offensive lineman over the course of the season. I, I can't see him starting at right tackle the remainder of the season. I don't even know if he's going to be back next year, to be honest. That's a whole different discussion, so sell. No, don't say it. <laughs> he better not come back next he's year. He's going to. No, he's not. You know not. he is. No. We'll see. Say it. They could save a lot of money if they cut him next year, I'm pretty sure. I think this year was the issue. Um, I didn't look yeah. into the – his, yeah, his dead cap money was enormous this year. Yeah, it, which it made sense to keep him this year. But anyway, um, based off the con, the financial view of it, um, I'm going to go sell as well, although the Giants' way would be to start Solder for the rest of the season. I think if you want to <laughs> save your jobs, guys, throw in Matt Pert. You know, he's been playing a lot of left tackle as of late. And you want this kid to develop. Andrew Thomas sucked for the first eight weeks of his rookie year and got a lot better. Mm-hmm. Matt Pert's going to go through those same pains because he didn't play much last year. He was part of a rotation. And now the full-time starting role that he's in because of the Thomas injury, yeah, well, he's not going to look good going up against these elite edge rushers like a Max Crosby last week. I mean, it, it's or Yannick and Gakwe, what, 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 whoever you're going up against, it's going to take time with these offensive linemen and tackles, especially. They're a lot harder to find than guards. So we already know what we have in Solar. We don't fully know what we have in Matt Pert yet. So we got to find that one out. So I'm going to sell. 
as well. No pun intended. Uh, we have two more, Craig, before we let you go here. We do appreciate your time, of course, joining us here tonight. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, his time as a giant is coming to an end. Buy or sell. He is on a contract here. Um, buying that a thousand percent. He's got to go. Uh, he's, uh, you know, if you watched him play, you know, in college, he used to kind of do the same thing. He was very streaky and he would disappear, you know, uh, people bought, you know, okay. We could all say that he started off last year pretty good, right? He had a couple sacks and then he tore his Achilles. I just, I, I've never been a really, I mean, listen, as you said before, Tom, He's probably a really nice guy. They said he's got a real great sense of humor, and this is not anything about the character of the human being. Um, I don't see him as as a player. He he kind of takes up space. Like I, he doesn't really do what you need. He okay. I'm not going to drone on, but I'll just say you should watch some of the film. Four years in the league, he's still his first step is to step down inside and get swallowed up by the tackle. He still doesn't step out and upfield to set the edge and turn everything back inside. As an outside linebacker, that's your number one job is to, to set the edge. And your footwork is always to step out and up the field so you can turn everything inside. You watch the tape. He's constantly stepping down inside and getting swallowed up by the by the tackle. Four years in the league, you, you can't do it, man. Like, you're depending on it. You watch the Dallas game. Ezekiel Elliott just running around him. Because he's nowhere to be found. Four years in the league, he still is not technical, or and and, and his and his foundation is still not there. Um, so I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta buy that one hundred percent that he's gone. I can't see it. Yeah, agreed. Buy. Uh, there's new generation of players up and coming that are better and can fill that slot. So I'm going by. Yeah, I think this was one of the easier choices on the, on this list. That's definitely a buy. So the easiest one for me. Uh, I'm buying it. I don't think he's coming back. I think Zimenez will come back because he has one year left on his deal, but I think he'll be gone after that as well. Last one. Daniel Jones will finish the year having started all 17 games, which would be the first time he started all the games in a season in his young three-year career. Craig, uh, he's halfway there. Buy or sell? Uh, he, he's made it through all these games this entire year? Yeah. He had the concussion, but he technically never missed a start. Okay, so you're talking about not not playing the uh, – I got – you're saying start as and yeah. take the snap. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm buying it. Um, I like the way they're using them. They're – they're definitely, keep, you know, he's learned this. He's been sliding more. He's been going out of bounds more. I think he's more cognizant of the team needs him to be healthy. So I feel it feels good to me. I'm, I'm going to go with the buy. I'm going to go buy too, um, except he does make me very nervous whenever he takes off because he's like a big old green bean. And I think that he's just going to get like snapped in half. But I'm going to go buy because he like, he like the green bean. He is. He's a big, tall green bean. Like yeah. he's this lanky board that's just like, like a car salesman flowy. Oh, thing. I love it, Sam. <laughs> Sam, I love Daniel Jones, but yeah. So I'm going by. I think that he's going to be able to make it through the rest of the season. Okay. Now this may have been the hardest one on the list for me. Really. Personally. Really. As much as I want to say bye, and I wouldn't be surprised if he. 
finishes the season starting every single game. I really wouldn't. My issue is the same as Sam's. Every time he runs, I'm always like, no, please don't get hurt because we know how quarterbacks can be when they have a tendency to run the ball. They can get hurt. You never know when there's some 270, 300-pound lineman running over there and he can – yeah, I'm just – I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to say sell, but I, I take no pleasure in saying that whatsoever. I hope you guys know that. Let's say bye. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with you, Hank, which doesn't happen often. I think he's going to start learning how to slide a little better. We hope. And with Andrew Thomas coming back, there's another pillar of protection in front of him that will help him stay upright. And that's the biggest key is protecting his blind side to make sure he doesn't take any, uh, distinctive hits. So I'm going to go buy, but, uh, yeah, that wraps up our buy or sell segment and brian mcardle just asked this comment as a bucks fan i found the best prescription for not winning eight games a season is signing tom brady have you guys tried that yet we can we can try brian i mean why i don't know if it'll work we we don't we don't lose to tom brady so i ain't sweating it craig a little backlog brian kind of like pops in one comment every show and he's predicted all three giant wins this season so Uh-oh. far and except last week well he did that because we all picked the giants and if it was a clean sweep it wouldn't have happened but you're right uh, i'm just i'm just trying to like brian look a little better i look i have to work with the guy t- tomorrow morning so <laughs> okay. I, I gotta show him a little love there um but craig we want to thank you so much for coming on uh this has been a blast I uh, really appreciate your time. And if you can plug your uh, podcast again one more time, plug your uh, website, New York sure. Giants Rush, where people can find it. NY Giants Rush is the website. You can find everything you want there. Um, we're known for our interviews. Uh, so we usually interview one former Giant player a month. Um, but if you don't go to the website, the podcast is called The Giants Guys. You can get that on YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple, any of your podcast channels. You can follow my team there. There's a good five or six different guys there you can follow. But if you're looking for it, you can always go to NY Giants Rush and go to the interview section. There's all the players there that we're interviewing. And I guess if you're giving me a chance to plug, we will be interviewing David Deal in the next two weeks. So that's our next guy up. That's really exciting. So and thanks for the time. You guys are great, especially now that I now when I see Sam, I'm just gonna do (laughs) so. I appreciate the time. You guys, you guys are great, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much David for coming. Deal. I, I, I love that That's guy. That's awesome. Uh, By the way, man. I have to ask: sure. Is that Rodney Hampton and Carl Banks in the back in the background on those two on those giant pictures? Yeah, Banks is here. Yep, Rodney's there. That's me coaching flag, and, and that's me at Yankee Stadium with my son. Love that. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I you know I don't know. Like one thing that's cool about the job you guys you guys are already know is you kind of get the friendly with these players and um carl's just taken a really cool liking to us over the years so he just i mean he gives me starter jackets to give away he gives me pictures like i don't know he's he's just a really cool cat for the giants you know um you know environment or or, or the you know the the i don't know what you want to call it the group you know like the that right. are just you know, that the fan base, he's just a very good advocate for Giants fans. So, yes, Rodney's up there. 
uh, Carl's over there. But you know what, Hank? I have somewhere. Um, I also have um, Joe Morris and Otis Anderson. I just haven't, I haven't, I haven't found a spot for him yet. I gotta hang them all. That's sick. Um, and, and I, I was gonna say I love watching the old flip, the old school clips of Giants football. Don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy watching the current team every Sunday. But I, yeah. as Tom knows, I'm a very big fan of the classic '80s Giants and the '90s. Yeah, man. Really rounded. Listen, when you look at those old old teams, man, nothing better than listen. We we hate how Tiki ended his career. I mean, he was you know ten thousand yards, could have been a Hall of Fame guy, and then he he blew himself up. Outside of Tiki, man, Rodney was the best. He was awesome. Yeah. Love so Rodney Hampton. Yeah. So yes, Carl and T, uh, Carl and, and and Rodney are up there. He's he's the original twenty seven, Hank. He's the original twenty seven. I, I love it. Not Ron Dean, not not Jacobs, none of those guys. That's the original two seven. That's great. That's because he wore seven in college. That's yeah, very that's, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, Georgia. Yeah, that's another Georgia guy. We've had some good luck with Georgia players yep. as of late, except DeAndre Baker. We'll throw him to the curb. But anyway. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, wow, that was bad. Uh, Craig, wanted to thank you so much for your time tonight. And, folks, if you're watching, make sure to go check out New York Giants Rush and the Giants guys as well if you want to find their podcast. Uh, Craig, have a good one. Nope. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You guys are great at what you do. Thank you. You as well. Talk soon. We'll keep in touch. All right. That was Craig. Santucci from New York Giants Rush. And um, we're about to sign off, but the comments section is still buzzing. Um, I just want to pin a couple of these. Brian says, I had to break the clean sweep jinx last week, but Hank is right. That counts as an L. Well worth it, though, for that McKinney pick six. Noah loves watching our show because the Giants draft so many Georgia <laughs> players. And, uh, Kevin, you know what? I can I can go off on this for about an hour, but I'm not going to do that because I really would like to watch Thursday night football tonight. Um, <laughs> this will probably be another segment that will be brought up in the future with James, Kyle, and the rest of us Giants fans. But um, let's hope for the Rams' sake that Odell doesn't cause any problems. Uh, I, I do think they have a lot of potential to go far in the playoffs this year. And Odell adds a new dynamic for them offensively to a receiving core that already has Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson, who I really wanted to be their number three receiver. But now he's not going to get that chance this year. Otherwise, somebody's going to cry about it. Yep, you said it. I literally just picked up Van Jefferson on my fantasy league t- today, too, and I immediately dropped him because I was like, he's not going to do anything. In our league? Yeah, in our league. Oh, yeah, that's So that's I was like, I, I just I dumped him right away. That came out of nowhere. But, uh, yeah, look, I wish Odell the best. That, that's that's all I'm going to say. You guys know where I'm at. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to beat around a, a, a bush we, here. But We do not have the time. We do not have the time. We feel the same way as you. We know that. Folks, on that note, next week, Big Blue Avenue, we will be previewing the Bucks game. We won't have a game to recap, so we're just going to do a brief recap of the bye week. And we will be speaking with Brian McArdle, host of From the Stands, (laughs) who loves to comment on our show every week. Big Tampa Bay guy, Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Brian, really appreciate you always supporting the show and everything. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. But Sam, Hank, 
any final words of wisdom as we head into this bye week? Um, I mean, bye weeks are always like, wow, okay, no Giants football, but also it kind of just like gives me a moment to exhale. So I'm ready to kind of breathe it out this weekend and get ready for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, the best part about the bye week, the Giants can't lose. Can't lose if you don't play. But in any event, I'll probably enjoy it by watching the Rangers put on a smackdown against the New Jersey Devils. But in any event, I'm still I'm still feeling the high from the win after the game because, as I said, it's not too often I go to MetLife Stadium because it is the biggest schlep from where I am out of all the places where my teams play. But in any event, I can't wait. I'm st- I'm, my hopes are slowly getting up, but then again, it's that's also could be false hope. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the season plays out, and who knows, maybe maybe they shock the world and get that upset. But I'm not I'm not going to get my hopes up too too far. Tom, as always, thanks for having the both of us. And one more thing, I have to say, let's go, Big Blue. That's right, folks. You've been watching Big Blue Avenue here on Facebook Live and YouTube. We'll see you all next week. Let's go. Big blue.